When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express and a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Otto. Happy to be with you here on Friday, March 1st, a particularly dramatic day in tennis. Andre Rublev in Dubai was defaulted. Defaulted from a match for conduct unbecoming of a tennis player. Well, that's my own terminology for it. We've got Richard Pagliaro, Tennis Now editor, here to discuss what happened in Dubai, why Rublev was defaulted, and a lot of other things as well. we got Indian Wells in Miami coming up. Tennis's own version of March Madness begins next week. We talk a little bit about the wild cards there, what we might have on tap. We talk a little bit about some of the results we've seen in the sport over the last month and what those might portend for the future. And we talk a little bit about the ATP's new deal with the Saudi PIF Public Investment Fund. So lots to discuss. Pretty long interview with Richard. Always great to chat with him. So why don't we just get into that interview right now and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey, Richard, just me and you today on the podcast. Good to hear your voice again. How's it going? It's great to speak with you, Chris, and Eric is always here in spirit. He always is. He always is. He's the man. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll get him back uh, post-Miami post to, to wrap up the Sunshine Double, I think. Um, today, it's it's kind of, it's, I wouldn't say it's an emergency podcast, but I think it's a good time to to convene because we had a really a terribly dramatic um moment in tennis today where Andre Rublev of course in the semifinals in Dubai is defaulted one game from the finish line on serve in the third set against Alexander Bublik an outcome that nobody wanted to see you were uh, up early watching it live and I'm sure have plenty to say about it lots of thoughts as do I but for um you know what are your general takeaways from this wacky moment that'll uh, go up there in, in history alongside of Novak Djokovic 2020 Australian Open David Nalbandian 2012 Queens Club as uh, unfortunate uh, defaults by top-notch ATP players yeah it's funny you say that because now you know today right now tennis is attracting the global headlines maybe for the wrong reasons but you know it puts a spotlight on some some issues yeah I had a few thoughts I thought you know first uh, why couldn't they just look at the replay to determine? Because he was adamantly denying that he had used, that he even spoke in Russia. What happened was he went after the linesman who he felt missed the call. It was a second linesman who speaks Russian who then reported it to the chair umpire like, hey, I heard him say some profanity in Russian, as I'm assuming what he said. He immediately went to the chair umpire, so then she called the referee out, and then they defaulted him from there. So his 
his point, his argument was like, look, first of all, I didn't even speak Russian. Secondly, like, you're telling me you're going to default me, like, let's just look at the video now, because they said we can just go look at the video. So he's like, well, what's the point to look at the video after I'm already defaulted by then? So I think he's 100% right about that. You have to be able to look at the video and verify what he said. If you're going to default the guy a game from a tiebreaker when they've already played two set tiebreaker, I mean, this was going to be a triple set. It was going to be an incredible end. So having said that, though, to me, it also shows why Rublev is who he, who he is, which is a talented guy who never gets it done in the majors. And people always talk about, well, the second serve is predictable. You know, he doesn't have a transition game. But his head, he screws himself almost every time. Not almost every time, but very often he screws himself. Yeah. I mean, there was no reason to do that. You, have a, you can challenge the call if you want to challenge it, but... It's not the linesman's fault. I mean, I, I just don't know why you lose it there. You're four points from a tiebreaker. Like, let's just get get through it, you know? Yeah. So he's his own worst enemy emotionally at times. And the irony of this match was the start of the third set, Bublik was the guy that looked like he was going to get defaulted. He smashed his racket. He's going at the chair umpire because she gave him the wrong time about when he thought he was going to serve with new balls to start the last set. It didn't work out that way. So he was all upset. And you're like, wow, Bublik's just going to totally implode after a great two sets. He gets down and then he comes back and then he saved like seven break points in a row. And I think for Rublev, it was the residual frustration of like, look, I should have already won this match. I should have broke him twice. And then everything just built up. But Correct. yeah, it's a mess. I mean, it's it speaks badly on the rules and on him too. And as far as I'm concerned, yeah. And Rublev, let's, let's give it some context. Rublev up four two in the third. Bublik serve or Bublik serving. Andre's got four break points. He can't convert. And then he's broken for four four in the next game. So he's hot under the collar. And and to be to be not fair to Andre. And, and to take your tack is that I don't even know about the call that he was upset about at the end of that game. It looked, it looked fine to me. And you're yeah, right. You're looked, right. Well, it was very close either way. And the thing with the players is when you're trying to argue a call on the baseline, it's at your feet. So you can't look at the line and the ball simultaneously. Yeah. So that's a call the players often miss. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it was in or out. I don't know. But it looked good to me from I where I Yeah, was. I don't think we ever got a replay, right? And, right, he, and to, right. Be, to, be, to clarify, he did have challenges left, right? Exactly. This was just him venting. And by the way, I'll, I will say the way and that— you don't have to get in the guy's face exactly. like that. Like, you can exactly. yell. You don't, like he, go, he didn't go nose to nose, but he got within arm's reach of the guy. And to the guy's credit, he you know, kept a poker face. He didn't lose his cool. But you don't need to do that to the guy. No, I don't, I don't think that's acceptable anymore. I mean, you know, 1970s Billy Martin Major League Baseball Yankees Red Sox that kicked dirt on the umpire days. I think they're over in tennis. And you right, got Johnny <laughs> Mack, Jimmy Connors getting <laughs> yeah, right. called someone an abortion, stuff like that. Like, yeah. that doesn't it now. doesn't fly anymore and we saw what happened with Nalbandian in 2012 for any of our listeners who didn't see that it's on YouTube he went up to a chair he went up to the umpire chair and smashed a little box that was surrounding the line judge and the box broke and cut the line judge just blood and he was defaulted immediately and and I don't think what Rublev did it turned out to be as bad but it was still very intimidating just not like the kind of thing you want to see in the workplace I mean you feel bad enough for umpires already they're getting phased out slowly but surely by electronic line calling they're not going to be perfect have you ever sat on a line and tried to call if a ball is in or out for for 3 hours you think you're going to make right. every call right and and Andre was and just venting that's a venting. Nice match 
and they're hitting the ball huge. I mean, he's got one of the biggest forehands in the game. I mean, they're both big hitters, so it's yeah. a hard call to make. Yeah. I mean, Andre, for me, was out of line by the way he behaved towards the umpire. It, and, and he's such a good guy, and I love this kid so much. He and, is. And, and, he's a good but he just lets his temper get the best of him, and I think it would have been better if he just smashed his own strings on his forehead, Eugenie style, and went on with playing. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, it would have. And, and I think, you know, it's just one of those, you know, the question is a lot of times, like they're talking about what was said. And and you're right. They should look at VAR and see what he did say. And I don't know if he said anything offensive or or demeaning in Russian. And so if that's what you're talking about for the default, then you should look at it. But to me, I feel like it's almost defaultable the way he went cowered over the linesman who's kind of stuck in his chair, can't get up. It's kind of just an intimidating thing that I don't like to see. So I don't really feel bad about Rublev getting punished for this. I think it might help him down the road to kind of reel himself in a little bit and you know it's unfortunate for tennis fans it's unfortunate for the tournament you want to see these guys Bublik and uh, Bublik and Rublev play a third set break or whatever finish the match on their own terms so it is unfortunate but it is it's one of those strange things right that you it's just it's a weird thing and the other unfortunate thing is that Bublik is always typecast as a head case in this case he actually got his head together after almost you know, he put himself in a hole to start this decisive set. He was able to scrape back and save seven break points in a row. He actually showed a lot of mental fortitude, but all that gets sort of overblown by Rublev raging and losing his mind. And also, I thought Bublik, I know they're buddies, but I thought that was a class move at the very end. He's like, hey, I'm okay to keep playing. Like, he w- he wasn't like, oh, I'm going to accept the default. He's like, I'm okay to finish it. Like, he yeah. was ready to Let's just play it out, man. I don't, you know, I don't want to win this way, which was a class thing from him. A lot of people wouldn't do that. So yep. it's unfortunate for him, too, because then, you know, he doesn't really get the credit for, for a nice comeback. And, uh, you know, like I said, for me, Rublev, he's his own worst enemy at times. And he was playing fine. It's like, dude, just suck it up and get into a tiebreaker. Anything can happen. It's a tiebreaker. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, but, but you're right. I mean, that's a good point about how, I mean, that you just don't need to do that. It's really unnecessary. And it was such a close call anyway, and you could challenge it anyway, you yeah. know? So there is a lot of ways to solve that problem without menacing the guy for making a call. Yeah. No, this is but a case. But I still think it's just, to me, insane that they, they use the replay for everything and you can't use it for that. Like, come on. Like, why not? You got microphones all over the court. Like, yeah. what's the point? Yeah, it's, tri- it's tricky, but it's just so time-consuming, too. It's like they got to get a Russian translator out there. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a it lot. Is, it is, but at the same time, it's a semifinal to get to a final of a big tournament, and this guy was defending the points from the final last year. Now he blew all the prize money, too, so it's a waste for yeah, him all the way so, around. Yeah. And like you said, it's not that it's undeserving, but it just seems like there's a better way to proceed. Yeah, it's one of those things I, I think just Andre I don't even know if he's really if he if you asked him now is he really upset about that call I think he was just upset about the way things went yeah yeah and, and, he, and he, he, he should have been up a double break he could have been off the court I mean he knew that he he was in command of the mat he let it go it was a, just a residual all the stuff built up and he erupted but you know you don't have to take it out on the linesman yeah well let me ask you though how do you feel about it do you feel like it would have been do you feel like he should have not shouldn't have been defaulted I feel like if he didn't actually curse the guy out, if he went over there and went, you know, it was. I watched the replay like five or six times. It's really hard to decipher right. what he's saying. 
But, you know, you make a good point about the physicality aspect. I didn't think about the time because it is, if you look at it again, it is pretty quick. It happens pretty quick. So at the time, I was like, ah, you know what, if he didn't curse at him, if he didn't say, if he just went like blah, blah, you know, yeah. I'm okay with it because he's one game from a tiebreaker. Yeah, like, just find him after that kind of thing. Just like, come on. And the crowd is its totally into this match. Like, people want to see it end. So I just feel like it's just – I understand rules are rules, but come on. You're four, you're four points from a tiebreaker. Yeah. Just yeah. finish it. I see it that way. Just give him a stiff fine and talking to I don't like exactly. how he gets in the, exactly. in the Empire and, space. And you know what? And if the video shows that he did it, you could totally – you could take all the prize money if you want. You yeah, could do whatever. Yeah, curious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's random. But you know, like you said, it's a it's a bummer because he is a good guy. He's one he of is. the better interview. He's an honest guy. It's just a but. It's like, dude, you just it's the same story every to do. We've seen how this movie ends. It ends with you, you know, bouncing your racket around, yelling at yourself, screaming at the coach, screaming at every, and yeah. then you just implode. Like it's the same story. Like already, and saying he's working on it. And saying, you know, exactly. working, he's 26. So, you know, give him time. I think, you know, like give him, uh, let me say, give him more time. And I agree. I think it would have been better with a heavy overlook it, you know, dock him the point penalty or the, or the, give him the code violation. Talk to him later about getting in the, an umpire space in a threatening, menacing way, which I do not like at all. I think that, that, yeah, that definitely right merits a big, a big fine. And like, look, dude, calm yourself down. Don't, don't, you're not that person. You're not Andre. We know you're a peaceful guy. You're 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 a teddy bear. You're just a, you're you're just a heating up so much. So just keep working on your your mind and get stronger. And, and yeah, it's unfortunate. I think the ultimate. It is unfortunate because the match it was such a dramatic, high quality match, and it just seemed destined for that third, you know, triple set three tie breaks and now you get headlines all over the world for the wrong <laughs> I know it looks bad right people that don't it know Rublev are going to say who is people this idiot oh it's tennis these guys are all okay you know yeah. but it's like they missed the whole previous two hours of really fun points and everything yep yep and gotta say Bublik has really impressed me in the last couple seasons you know Wimbledon quarterfinal a lot of good results uh, 23 in the world now into his uh, 11th ATP tour final he's just getting better and just like he's so much fun he's so talented and it's nice to see him kind of like be squared away and be focused on getting wins and you know he's playing at a pretty high level pretty consistently and i think that that says a lot about you know not the way he wanted to end this match but i think overall he's becoming a player you can count on for the most part more than he used to be for sure Dramatic turnaround, because remember when he had lost like seven or eight in a row where he just couldn't get out of the first round for a while and yeah. really spinning his wheels, but to stick with it and to produce, this is a massive moment for him, not only the Dubai final, but I believe this is the first time in his life he's going to be in the top 20 now when the new rankings come out. So that's a huge, huge moment for him. And like I said, that he was willing to play the match out with speaks wisely. Also, he understands he's been around long enough that he knows on a fast court like this with his serve, he can hold against anybody. So even if he's down a break, he knows he's going to, if he's making the first serve, I mean, he has a huge first serve, the guy. And I thought in this match, he played more conventional tennis. Like you you picture he's going to do a lot of the drop shots. He's going to do like the head fake stuff. Like he played more of a straight up tennis in this match. So that's speaks well to what he does if he just wants to play conventionally he can still be successful yeah. but you know he has great feel so you never want to see him lose that you know when he uses the drop shots and the draw he just has beautiful touch too yeah 
He's he's a talent for sure. I really enjoy watching him. He does some really amazing stuff. I think it was Adelaide. I was watching him this like in January, still in kind of a haze from the fact that tennis season starts so quickly in the weird time zones. But he did some. I remember he played like one game where he like be, he went like behind the back, between his legs, yeah. underarm serve, and an ace. Like you're like this guy is ridiculous. Yeah. What is this guy doing? He's what? crazy. He, he really is. It's like if you took like a Kyrgios and a Barami and you melded them together and you get hit, you know, he's yeah. like that kind of crazy. He really is. But you know what's pretty cool? Is in that... a fun way. In a fun way. Because you, you know how hard it is to do what he does. It's very, very hard, those shots that he pulls off. Yeah. But sometimes it's just like you're wondering, like, dude, what, what, do you, what the hell are you saying? I mean, he goes from crazy positions, but he plays the score a lot smarter now. And I think that's why he's been more successful. Yeah. No, he locks it down. He, he does. He makes some crazy decisions at, at times but yeah. you know what you know what's an interesting stat that i just looking at the atp media notes is that he's uh he lost the first set today he's eight and four now this year when losing the first set yeah, he's, tough. A he's, he's a tough guy to, to kill yeah. yeah that's a great stat. that's a great stat it shows how invested he is in winning these matches and and putting up a good fight you know and so oh, I, yeah and he was down and he could have been down and out in the third set today and he did not give up all no. credit to and i'm trying to get on the the pif rankings page right now to um see if you're to confirm that he's he's into the 20 in the live rankings and the page isn't coming up which is kind of weird because now it's a as we know there's we'll we'll segue there's big news in the tennis world the atp has signed a a long-term deal with saudi pif public investment fund and which means that saudi arabia is going to play a lot larger role in men's tennis and probably women's tennis we haven't heard much from the women's side yet but i expect that to come next it's uh, it's a pretty big decision we don't get a lot of details or a lot of information other than the fact that they are now a key sponsor of the atp tour they're also a key sponsor of several big tournaments starting at indian wells if you look at the indian bmp paribas open homepage, you see piff right there named as one of the key sponsors so they they quickly got involved heavily in men's tennis and i expect they're gonna um, it's going to be slightly controversial. There's going to be a lot of opinions on it. There's also going to be a lot more money floating into the men's game and people like Andy Murray hoping he goes into the right places to the players who need it the most, et cetera. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the overall, um, you know, just the overall cadence of this move, the timing of it. What do you think it, it, it maybe portends for the future of the ATP tour with relation to Saudi Arabia's involvement of the sport? Well, I mean, based on what I know, and I don't know any more than what you know or anybody else, you know, probably listening knows, is that I just think it shows the Saudi ties are going to be strengthened. Um, as far as the ATP goes, they, you already saw that with the next gen, you know, the year end played there. And now, like you said, title sponsorship of the rankings. And also in the press release announcing it, they just talked about those relationships with Indian Wells, Miami, some of those Masters events. They didn't really detail the extent of that partnership, what exactly means, but those are all really, really big events. So I'm curious as to how that, what that means, if that means an actual stake in those tournaments or how, how that, how that plays out. I'm interested because those are all really, really important events. So I think it is a sign of the times of sign of things to come and they know the money is there. That's where the most money is. That's the, uh, if you're going to tap any revenue source, that's where you're going to go. And then I think you raise a really valid point, the dichotomy with the women's tour, because up until the last, let's say, year ago or 18 months ago, there was always the speculation or hope or talk that, hey, maybe we will yeah. see a merger down the road. I don't see how you could possibly merge now with that, you know, yeah. with that. So I just don't see how you can do that. I mean, I don't, I you know, I'm yeah. not a decision 
for yeah. obviously. But to me, it just seems like a total contradiction in terms. But that's a whole separate issue. I just think if you're looking at it from the ATP, like you said, the money is the money. I mean, you can use that money in a lot of ways. And I thought Andy Murray raised a good point is that you really want to see it invested down in the lower ranks to make it more fertile, to make the game more fertile at the lower levels, to get more people actually into the game. But that yeah. never happened. They always talk about <laughs> trickle down it never trickles down and that's why you see now with the influx of all the gambling and the online that's why you see a lot of the fixes at those matches not just because they're easier to fix because those guys are making no money so they're definitely more vulnerable and they're more uh, you know to people who want to fix matches yeah it's uh it's interesting you know, the whole economy if you look at the economy as a whole it, it's there's a lot of solutions but there's a lot of problems too and you can create even more problems but you know they need the money so they're going to go where the money is it's that simple yep and i'm and i'm curious to know about the wta i mean now they've seen the the financial bar set they've seen a deal done so maybe that's good for them they could at least know they can at least go in with with the with the number that the atp sure. tour and demand either equality or some form of equality and then, sure. and and I think with the pressure that will be put on Saudi Arabia to kind of clean up their record and to treat women in a, in a better way, they might be they might want to they might want to go for equality. So maybe there's a window. I don't know. I don't know what people on the inside are saying. It's gonna, ha- gonna need to have some discussions about this. But I and you're thinking, where's the WTA in all this? Oh yeah, probably not good for the merger. But maybe they're in a maybe they're in a better bargaining position because they're they're coming they might come second because they're probably going to do a deal right another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You would think, I mean, you would think it, it looks I think they way. need some of that Saudi money more than anybody right now. Exactly. Especially after what happened with China. That was a huge, significant, oh. you know, source of their revenue. Yeah. And take that away and just not have it. I mean, that's a that's a big hole. So... Yeah, I mean, you would think, but I don't know because they don't actually, they still haven't named the CEO yet. So who knows? I mean, I don't know. I uh, really don't know. I know. I, I, you would think it's head all signs point to that direction, yeah. but you just don't You just don't know. Exactly. And Billie Jean King's been behind it. And I just, you're just thinking, I don't know, maybe shoot for the stars, shoot for equality. players are on board with it because they see what it, they see these guys in golf, I mean, cashing $100 million paychecks and they're like, come on, we're breaking our back out here. We yeah. should, we should make some money, which, you know, you can't, I can't fault any player who views it that way only because the tennis career is so, so short compared to a golf career. So I don't, I mean, I can't get down on anybody who look, but just from a humanity, from a human rights standpoint, like, come on, we got to be accountable at some point. Yeah, I know. I just, I hope that it all turns out for the better and that it helps Saudi Arabia improve its record on human rights and then it improves the financial conditions of the ATP tour. And if the WTA goes that way, I sincerely hope that they can get more money floating around because they're the ones, when you look at the prize money for the 250s and the 500s on the women's tour, it's just not enough. And and then if you, you're not even talking about uh, ITF events, it's just not enough. It's not enough for the women to thrive, you know? 
And there's competition right now. I totally agree. I mean, you hope for the best at the same time. Tennis being tennis, you almost expect the worst. I shouldn't say worst, (laughs) but you expect some really strange things to happen just based on what we've seen in the past. I think the women should not rest on their laurels. You're looking at women's basketball right now with Caitlin Clark and how fantastic things are. Uh, The buzz around that sport. I just feel like tennis has always been the number one women's sport for to make a living off of, and I think that it's a crucial time right now for them to uh, absolutely keep players absolutely. in the game, keep w- young women wanting to play the sport in America and beyond. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So confirming, Bublik is slated to go to nineteen. He'll make his top twenty debut, and it's well deserved. Ugo Umber is going to come to a career high at number fifteen after taking out Medvedev. Can you give me thirty seconds on that amazing southpaw? He called. He said it was the perfect match, and yeah. he killed him with the slider, the lefty hook serve wide. He just, Medvedev stands so far back, and he was not only taking him back, he was taking the angle way off the court. So then the first strike, he's hitting it into the opposite corner, and it's like Medvedev, like you could have Usain Bolt's legs, you're not going to be able to run. That's a suicide sprint running that. He just did that all the whole match. I mean, and he also came up huge on break points like Bublik. I think he saved seven of eight break points. But you could see when you see on a fast court why he why he's beaten Medvedev three out of the four times is he just completely takes him off the court. And then Medvedev can't be Medvedev because he's just running on a full sprint trying to hit the next forehand. And if he gets it, he barely scrapes it back. And also, Ugo's better at the net, I think, than he gets credit for. Yeah. Guy's good, man. Um, the yeah, he's good. He's got good hands too. And uh, you know, look at his finals record. He's five and zero oh, career. Yeah, love that finals. I mean, when he gets to the finals, he finishes, and you see him. He seems like such a like sort of a happy, mellow guy with a smile. He doesn't seem like he has the killer instinct outwardly, but you put him in a final, he sure shows the killer instinct. Yeah, he's very locked in. Um, four and three now against the top five career. I remember, I think it was twenty nineteen when he beat Felix Ogier-Aliassime to reach the round of sixteen at Wimbledon. I said, this guy's going to be a Wimbledon champion. Like, I know it was a crazy call at the time, but I, I kind of felt it. And I, was, I think I'm probably going to be proven dead wrong. But you never know. I mean, this he's so good. He, he, I think he's at some point going to get deep into some of these slams. He's good on grass. He's, he's pretty good on clay. He's, he's great on the faster surfaces. And, and he's just a tremendous talent, great kid, good on the piano. For what that's yeah, worth. Good on the <laughs> and also, he continues this great tradition of the lefties, the French of uh, Guy Forget, Michael Lodra, you know, yeah. Henri Leconte, all these yeah, guys have that a lot of them. have these really cool, quirky angles and way to like put you in really weird positions. And uh, man, he he had his forehand. Well, I think he had fifteen forehand winners that he was finishing with the forehand really well. And I think you're spot on, especially a place like Wimbledon where it's a lower bounce where he can take you so far off, and then it's hard to recover when it's that low it's hard because you just got to clear the net first of all and yeah. then he can fit you off at the net so yeah i wouldn't these should, these should be his prime years right now right and, and interesting because i had a you know i had high hopes for ugo as the number one frenchman as a guy who's kind of going to lead france's generation next they've always got a like a healthy crop of talented players and, and um that seemed to be on track until about 2022 then i think he dropped out of the top 100, and you're thinking maybe this is not going to work out at all for this kid. And I think he was, you know, out of the top 100 as recently as last January. And then you look at his rankings; just Jeremy Shardy coming in and his coach, and his ranking just ticking up, ticking up. And now he's going to be at a career high at the least 15. So good effort for Ugo, and a really cool kid 
fun talent, always gets involved in these really intense, dramatic matches. And, um, um, you know, good for him. Good. Keep it going. Get in the top 10 and keep French tennis uh, thriving as well. What else can we talk about, Richard? Indian Wells and Miami are about to start. We're getting at it. You know, we're going to finish up in Dubai and, and Acapulco, which has been a good tournament. And on the women's side, San Diego, Austin, a lot of stuff happening right now, but we're going to consolidate and go to Indian Wells next week. What are what are some of the maybe two, three, four, five, six, seven to twenty five thousand things you're looking forward to seeing at Indian Wells? Well, definitely Rafa, the return of Rafa, the return of Novak, because this is his first time back since 2019, and we'll yeah. have seen we'll have seen Rafa versus Carlos in the uh, Netflix chat. You know, the ex, the Las Vegas. Mm. So we'll have already got a little bit of a glimpse of him, but just to see him there, and that's a Thursday night, March 7th match, it should be a full house, hopefully it's good weather, Uh, it'll be electric because that could conceivably be his farewell to Indian Wells, and he's always played well there, even the last appearance, you know, the loss to Fritz, he played well, and he beat Alcaraz the last time, so it'll be exciting, and also Novak going for the record, I think he's going for his sixth, am I right, or is it his fifth? Yes, he's got five titles. Yeah, and so he shares the record with Roger now, and also Novak. He, he owns the best career winning percentage in the tournament history. I think he's fifty, fifty and nine. So I'm looking at that, and then Good I want to see the women. You know, no woman has defended there. I think since the '90s, since Martina. So oh, right. it will be interesting to see if Rabakina, because she's played great all year, if she can go in and defend there when nobody's been able to do it. And also, like you, you know, you spoke about earlier. You want to see if someone like Osaka can step up. Pliskova's had some good results. The players really caught my eye early on this year. Well, a few players, but uh, Kalinskaya. I mean, yeah. she's had some. Really, really good results. I like her game. I like her style. And she almost won Dubai. Pele came back and got her at the end. But she had a phenomenal tournament. Beat Ostapenko, beat Coco, beat Iga. I mean, so, and then, but at the end with the final, it looked like she was a little bit either tired or maybe the leg got to her. So I want to see if she can continue that at the Sunshine Double because she played fantastic tennis you know the whole year so far so uh yeah she's one to watch and then you want to see Alcaraz how can he you know can he come back and you know he didn't have Juan Carlos Ferrer there with him in Melbourne it was a disappointing uh loss for me the Zverev loss you know you want to see how he bounces back and and uh people want to see Sinner in North America now as a new uh Grand Slam champion, you want to see the Americans, how Coco and how Jessica Bagula, how these players are going to perform. This is Danielle Collins, as I believe, last yeah. Sunshine. Also, yeah, you know, she's stuff. always hugely popular in Miami. People love her there, so you want to see how she does, too. Yeah, we need a big result from Collins and, and, and a couple thousand fist pumps, right? Yeah, and she's had some brutal draw. I mean, not to sound like a Malibu, but she's had some really tough draws this year, but, she, you know, she takes it. She's a fighter. Yeah, so... Um, Really cool for the tournament to get uh, Nadal on a Thursday night. Gotta say, I mean, yeah. that, normally that's yeah, that's I like an that unseated. They released it early enough, so there's plenty of time to really hype it and sell tickets, and hopefully get a sellout for that night. It'll be a great buzz. Yeah, that'll be that's that's a good one. Um, Indy Wells is always great for for so many reasons. So like twenty 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 four so far, we've got a couple three players with two titles: Ostapenko. Rybakina, neither one was able to break through and win a slam. That was Arena Sabalenka defending the Australian Open title. And then Sinner has two titles. I think I wanted to get your take on this, Richard. I think the women's top four has kind of solidified, though. I mean, you know, it was Sabalenka taking the Aussie Open. Iga's been great, won a big title in Doha. Um, Rybakina looks as good as ever. 
and then then you're looking at Coco and Pagula kind of rounding out that top four, I, I guess. Maybe if, if anyone has slipped a little bit, just a little bit, it might be Coco. But, you know, she was at semis in Australia. It's not like it's been a really bad situation for her. I mean, she's uh, like, what did we look at her for the for the season? I think she's kind of slipped a little bit lately, but she's 12-3 and three on the year. Yeah, no, she's had a good year, and that was a that was a good semi. I mean, Sabalenka just beat her, but uh, yeah, I mean, the only concern I have is just you want to see her clean up the serve a little bit because people were, oh, she worked with Andy, and I, you know, I know it helps, but she still has that tendency to hit a, like a sort of a a rash of double fault. You don't want to see, you can't afford that against those other against Rabakina, Ego, or um, yeah. Abelanka, obviously. But, yeah, you're right. She's had a good start to the year. Semifinals coming off a win your maiden major, get to the semis, and yeah. play a really good match. She played a solid match in that semi. So. But, yeah, you're right. Sabalenka definitely solidified herself. She's been there every single major. You know she's going to be there. Yeah. And Iga's been there. And the Rabakina loss in Australia, to me, that's not a bad loss because that was a historic tiebreak. She fought really, really hard. She saved a bunch of... Mm-hmm match points at the end you know she just lost an epic tie break but i mean she's had a great great year it's just you want to see her stay healthy because she she's always got like some sort of tape on her mm-hmm. and you feel like she's maybe just something with her back or shoulder i don't know exactly what it but it you just feel like she's always there's always a little bit of nagging something with her yeah. whereas to me sabalenka and Iga, they just physically are a little bit more they just feel more imposing like mm-hmm. they come out ready to roll yeah, I'd say that. I I'd like Robachna's game, and I think Robachna's going to be there. I think she can win a major this year. Yep, I, I think so too. Um, you know, it's up for grabs. A lot of talent up there at the top. It's pretty nice. Um, uh, there's a couple more things. How's your battery looking, Richard? Can we keep talking? Yeah, sure. All sure. right, good. The, I know I got to get your take on Mensik. Um, the, the the young Czech who's 18 years old and really stirring it up and putting up some good results of late. Um, this kid... Third round U.S. Open on his debut last year. That's when we first kind of got wind of him. For those of us who don't like really pay close attention to the challengers, but he seems the youngest kid in the top 100 right now, and seems to have a lot of talent, bright future. I know you watched him a lot and have a, a good feel for his game and like it a lot. So I wanted to hear you talk about him for a bit. I was impressed. He's six four by his size, by how well he moves at that size. He really moves well. And the other, the two weapons to me that really popped off the screen were the serve. You know, if you look at his ace to double fault rate, I mean, some of these matches he's hitting like 16 aces to double fault. I mean, he has a huge disparity, the ace to double fault. And he's also acing guys who are exceptional defenders. If you look at that streak, he played Murray. He played Monfi. He played uh, Davidovich Vakina. He played Korich in um, Dubai. So he played guys who are really, really good returners. And that tells me either they have trouble reading the serve or he just hits it so big it doesn't matter if you know where it's going. He can just put it anywhere. So the serve is really big, and he's consistent with the serve. And his backhand is a big time. It reminds me a little bit of Safin in that he can put it anywhere in the down the line backhand he finished so many guys with that shot the down because you have to respect the cross court because he hits it so big and once he puts you over in that corner boom he can take it down the line he's a really exciting player the other thing i like about him is like you said for a kid for an 18 year old qualifier he took the first strike he you know when he had to defend he defended but he wasn't afraid against these more experienced players to step up and take the mat you know he played to win he didn't he wasn't out there trying not to lose and the murray win you know Murray could have took that match. It was five all in the last set breaker. Murray serves and volleys. 
he has the backhand volley. He just volleyed right back to Mensik, and Mensik passed him, and that was the man. Murray was almost going ballistic after because he did the right thing. He just didn't execute. You feel bad for Murray. I mean, that's a match he could have won. But, you know, a win like that, it totally catapults Mensik, so it goes the other way as well. Yeah. He's, he's definitely a talent. Up to 87 in the world. Just got a wild card into uh, Indian Wells, so he could face Rafa on Thursday night. Wouldn't that be something? Can you imagine if that happened? Can you imagine trying to pick that guy's serve at a night match at Indian Wells, especially sometimes it gets windy there? I mean, yeah. his serve is, is a hellacious serve. He'll be one to watch because he's a young guy playing kind of with nothing to lose, house money. Exactly. No, nothing to defend. that fearlessness really. that comes from youth, and he was in, number two in the world junior, so he's, you know, he feels he belongs. And I also like the ATP did a little video interview with him where he said Novak is his favorite player, and he explained why. So it tells me he wants to be a complete player like Novak. Yeah. And that's very cool. Um, yeah. Last thoughts. Um, kind of like, seems like Murray is definitely targeting some kind of a retirement this summer. A couple more months is what he said in Dubai. And that makes a lot of sense. I guess it's been weighing on his mind. I mean, this is the most we've gotten out of him about an official retirement other than his first retirement, which really didn't last. You never know, you know, what happens. Maybe he picks it up and maybe he wins a lot of matches and decides to stick around. But it seems like Wimbledon or the Olympics could be the end for Muzza. And I just wonder if that's how you interpreted his most recent comments in Dubai. Yeah, I think his prior, his number one priority is Wimbledon. It's his home slam. It's where he's had some of his greatest moments. But I do think he wants to play the Olympics. And, and why wouldn't he? He's the only guy in history to win it back. Yeah. You know, I'm Olympic gold medal champion. I mean, he has a record nobody's touched. So he definitely deserves to play the Olympics. And I'd, I'd like to see him in there. Although you could say, you know, some of Wimbledon would be, would be beautiful and fitting as well. But, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be one of those two places. Yeah. I think he wants to play both I, if he's healthy, you know. Yeah. I just don't know about him and the clay. If he wants yeah, to do that, he's yeah. going to have to try RG, which might mess up his Wimbledon plants. Anyway, it's a long story. But And, and then switching topics a little bit to the comebacks. Naomi Osaka, Caroline Wozniacki, in the game now, still ranked pretty pretty low for both of them. But, I mean, have you seen anything promising from either player? I'm more optimistic about Osaka than Wozniacki, just what I've seen. I've seen more of Osaka, too. I think she's shown you a lot of stuff is there. The weapon, to me, it's the lack of match play, which is understandable. She just had a baby. I just think sometimes when I'm watching her, like she expects when she hits a good serve that that's it, that it's not coming back. Yeah, it's right, like you got right. These players are really, really great players, and they've been playing all these months while you've been sitting down. you got to go out there with the mentality of every single ball is coming back, and I think I don't see that yet from her, but when she gets that, uh, I don't know if she'll get it during the Sunshine Double, but if she gets that, you know, and that's sort of the match reaction, but yeah. also just accepting, accepting, look, I can hit a good serve, she can hit a better return. She almost has that that champion's cockiness and i mean that in a positive way like all great champions have it but it's you can't apply that when you have only played once you know in the last months and months like you got to be you know a little bit sharper that way so i think it's a little but i think as far as the game the strokes and all that that's there and it's going to get better and her fitness all that's going to get better Mm -hmm. it's just the timing because she's not a great clay player to me and then you know, if let's say let's say she bombs out early in Miami and Indian Wells, you're going to go play clay. That's not your surface, so that I would just worry from a confidence standpoint, yes. where I could see her taking some losses on clay because they put the serve back in play and then they work the point from there. Yeah, yeah. Two eighty-seven is a ranking, three and four on the season. 
Losses to Pliskova in three sets. Garcia first round at the Australian Open, which she later avenged. Collins at Abu Dhabi. And then two wins in a row in her last event, which is which is nice to see. She beat Garcia and then Petra Martic and then um, gave a walkover. Or, or yeah, actually, she's play, I mean, she's played really, really quality players, everybody you named. And the Pliskova match, the first one, she could have won that match. She was in charge of that. And it slipped away. But Pliskova has a good record against her yeah. also. I'm sorry. Got a walk over and then lost to Pliskova in two tie breaks in Doha in the quarterfinals, which is decent. Now, Wozniacki, a little different story. Out of the gates pretty quickly, U.S. Open last year, starting your comeback with uh, after giving birth to two young babies. She's got two kids now, and she went to the round of 16 at the U.S. Open, took golf to three sets, eventual champion golf, should we say. And this year, not quite as good. Good. She uh, still hasn't got the ranking up higher than 206, which is where it stands right now. And she's one and three on the season. So I think she's still got wins in her. Um, not a lot of punch in her game. She's not going to go take the racket out of anybody's hand. So maybe it's just a matter of just getting that confidence to be like rock solid with the consistency, which is what the golden retriever used to do back in the day. Yeah, I guess to me, I, when I look at her, I'm reminded a little bit of Murray after the first comeback. It's like you knew what made them great was the, you know, incredible court coverage, quickness, anticipation, the counter strike, yeah. all that stuff. But you also knew that they you couldn't expect them to have that after the comeback. So then, for me, the question became: What were they going to do? What were they going to be able to do with the first serve and the forehand? Because each of them are better off the backhand than the forehand. And to me, I haven't yet seen her show that she's sort of can accelerate and work the forehand more to make it more of a weapon i mean she's still you know obviously a grand slam champion former number one great competitor all that great court sense but you know you got to bring a little bit more to the table on a hard court in terms of weapons i think in at this point the state of the way the game is now Mm-hmm. Because if you just try to rally with someone like Eager or Sabalenka or you know they're just gonna they're just gonna rock the ball. You can't get away with that it, against those kind of players. And those are the kind of players you got to beat if you're gonna win a major. Someone like Ostapenko too. You can't just roll the ball three quarter court and you know hope to rally with someone like that. They're gonna obliterate it. Yeah, good good stuff there. And and last thing, Richard. We talked we covered a lot of stuff today. And thank you for doing this kind of um, yeah, well, impromptu podcast. Doing um, last thing is the demon, Alex Demonor. Right. I think he became the first uh, Aussie in the ATP's top 10 since Hewitt in 06, was it? With a trip to the round of 16. He's awesome when he plays for his country. And um, he's awesome when he plays in general. He's just such a hard worker, so indefatigable. And it's nice to see him rewarded with a ranking that kind of suits his talent. But but it seems like he's turned a corner with this ranking of number nine in the world. Last night, he beat Tsitsipas in Acapulco. He was 0-10 against Tsitsipas prior. It was kind of a patchy match. Conditions were windy, whatever. But he, but he, but he was rebounded from a horrid first set to win that match. Shows where he is confidence-wise. It's pretty awesome to see Demon in the top 10. Do you th- what do you think the reason is that he's been able to do this? Because, I mean, he's probably been like a little bit stuck plateauing outside of the top 10. And do you think he has potential to go even higher, maybe to even take that top five box? I love watching this guy because when I was like years ago, one of my favorite guys to watch was David Ferrer. Oh, yeah. They're different Me too. style Me too. players. They both have that never say die. They will fight. You could be cracking them over the head. They never, ever <laughs> give up. I love both of them for that reason that they're inspirational figures. Yeah, they so, love it. They love to grind. They 
love it. I mean, it doesn't matter what the you know. So I love that about him, and I'm really excited for him. I think he just plays with more aggression now on the bigger on the uh, bigger points rather than waiting for something to happen or rather than trying to hit a passing shot. He's trying to go after it more. Yeah. His serve to me is a little bit better. By better, I mean a little bit more accurate that he can serve it closer to the lines. He's not as physically big and strong as those other guys, but I feel like it's more accurate. Especially, I don't know what his first percentages i should look that up but i feel he's more accurate with the first serve and also i think you hit on it with the davis cup stuff and also being around all that i think that just really instills in him that these big matches or those united cup matches even though it's a new thing i mean those are big matches for him and and he came through in those matches so those that confidence is currency when you have the currency you spend it against someone like sitsipas who has put you in the poorhouse like you said oh and ten and he was able to turn that around that's a huge psychological uh, boost for him, and it solidifies. Hey, I'm I'm going in the right direction. I'm solidifying my place in the top ten. And Sitsipas is going in the wrong direction. He's out of the top ten. So I think that's all good. As far as the top five, no, I, no, no, I don't think he can do it right now. Not the way the game, the way his game is right now. Yeah. But let's say like Novak, you know, retired suddenly or something like that. But there's just too many good guys ahead of him in my view right now. Yep. So no, I, I think he can be a top ten guy. But top five for me, that's a a different thing yep and we should say that um what speaking of confidence being currency he put that aussie flag on his back and beat djokovic 6464 oh, yeah. united cup and yeah. say what you will about united cup that's a massive win for alex yeah. demonor and that, yeah, that thing's going to stick with him all season but you might i think you're probably right about the top five it'll be tough but but man he'll put in the effort and give it a shot and if there's any window he'll, he'll try and crawl through it and that's what we love about this player and the other thing I love about him is when, you know, he hears the same questions at every freaking tournament. Oh, how are you going to beat these guys? Or, you know, how you... And he doesn't take it as, like, get defensive about it. He takes it as, like, I'm going to show you guys, you know. I'm going to show you that I belong. That he takes it as a motivational thing and not as all the media is always rapping on. You know, he takes it in a positive. Like, yep. I'm going to use it as fuel, and I'm going to get to the top ten and show you what the player I am. And, you know, that's great for him, and that's great for everybody who plays tennis that you don't have to whine about it just go do something shut these people up and he's done that yeah amazing speed on that guy i mean what a sprinter. Oh, what a sprinter unbelievable unbelievable and he never gives up on a ball never ever gives up on a i ball. know it's crazy and he's still 25 so i think he'll be able to yeah. keep keep that up for a few years at least it's got to be tough on the body but man is exactly. he, he's he a fun those wheels. like you get a lower body you get an ankle knee something like that it's hard yeah. i mean his game is his legs are so vital but yeah he's a phenomenal mover love why his footwork too just the way he dances around the ball it's yeah. beautiful He'd be good. He'd be good in boxing, I think. Any other sport, wrestling, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, he's a great golfer. Apparently, I've seen a few of his videos. So he, his eye-hand coordination is exceptional. He's a great golfer. I mean, I like to see him and Rude go at it. He's, a a huge, golf. he's also a huge NFL fan. I wonder if he, if he's, uh, he, could, I could see him as a free safety or a corner. He's a Jets. He's a Jets fan. Believe it or not, he visited the Jets uh, camp of two years ago. Online. Before Rodgers. Yep. Whoa. Yep. Warren Riley, they gave him a jury, and I think he kicked field goals, too. I, th- I could be wrong about that, <laughs> that but explains. they had a whole video with him there. Yeah, he that, visited everyone, it was cool. That explains why you're talking about. That's funny. <laughs> um, so, so, Richard, awesome. Like, like, like let's just, Let me just tee it up for, for our listeners. Indian Wells is going to be great from first ball because, like— And you're going to be there, so I'm, we're I'm going to be there, yeah. We're, it's exciting and uh, always tennis paradise, nothing like it, really. Um, But, like, the amount I of players— I there, you change your phone number because we can— <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, I put it on Do Not Disturb. But um, 
with with Osaka, with Wozniacki, with Nadal unseated, they'll be playing in those first few days. Sometimes those first few days with no seated players until the weekend can be a little slow. But man, there's some star power early, so it's going to be an amazing tournament. It always is. Uh, plus, you know, Venus coming back, Raducanu has got yeah. a wild card into both, so that's cool yeah. too. So yeah, there's a lot going to be happening. It's going to be a great, great, and it's probably the last Indian Wells where you'll ever see Rafa and Novak together because Rafa's not on the Miami entry list. He's probably not playing there. So. Yeah. This is it. I know. We got to enjoy these these older fellows. Stan the man, 38 Stand now. Stan the man. I mean, we don't, and Gael Monfils. We don't know how long we'll get um, from these great players. So, yeah, I, get, I mean, it's going to be a great uh, fortnight. We'll be we'll be keeping you guys locked in. And, Richard, um, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Slack in the next couple of days. And, I, again, I appreciate your input, and thanks for joining me today. It's great to speak with you, Chris. So much for having me on. Thank you. This edition of the Lucky Let Gord podcast is a wrap. Thank you guys for listening. Want to let you know where you can find Tennis Now on social. You can start on Facebook, facebook.com slash Tennis Now. On Twitter, at Tennis underscore now. Wait, is it called Twitter? No, it's called X. Oh, man. Um, and, of course, this podcast. We love it if you rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Just go into Apple Podcasts, type in Lucky Let Cord Podcast in your search, and you will find us. You can also find us on Spotify. Spotify or wherever else you like to enjoy your podcast. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate your passion for tennis. And we're looking forward to bringing you more throughout the 2024 tennis season. So it's on to Indian Wells. We'll talk with you guys a little bit after tennis's version of March Madness is over. Enjoy the tennis. Thank you for listening again. Have a great weekend. Ciao.